0: Good morning, everyone. It's so glad, to, so glad to be here. I was honored when Elder Mitchiff extended the invitation to me to come and to share with you the topic that we're going to be covering for the next five days. Now, let me just put a disclaimer out right away to those of you who are here and to those of you who may be viewing or those of you who are on the line streaming. This is not a tiptoe through the tulips topic. I want to I want to pray. I know that they've prayed, but I want to pray before we go into the topic. Because what I'm going to be presenting over the next 5 days is a topic that you may not be confronted by, but your children, your grandchildren, the children in our schools, the children in our churches, it's not only affecting our young, it's affecting our leadership. It's affecting our church and shaping the future of the things that are taking place in many of our colleges and our in our churches around the world. And everywhere that the Lord has allowed my wife and I to go to present this topic has created not only an increase in knowledge, but it has also affected change. And so over the next five days... The topic Unclean Spirits is a topic that you must be prayed up in order to walk through the doors. When I was first introduced to this topic, oh, about 10 years ago, a little less than 10 years ago, I decided to do my own homework, my own study, my own research. And so I've also prayed and asked the Lord to give me guidance as to what I present to you today because some of the materials. Uh, that I present are palatable, I would say, in maybe a younger audience because I do music samples, but I don't do any music samples of any rock groups or hip-hop groups or music groups. I don't do any music group samples, but we're going to be covering uh, some videos of testimony of those who are in the industry. Uh, We're going to be looking at various aspects of what this presentation on Clean Spirits is really all about. So, I'd like you to bow your heads with me before we go into the topic, and we want to ask for the Lord to lead and guide in making this message clear. Loving Father in heaven, thank you for the opportunity you present to us. We want your message to be clear. We want to make the trumpet and the sound of the trumpet very clear and distinct. We want to awaken our people to the times in which we live. But Lord, also we ask for your Holy Spirit to come and to bring to the hearts and minds not only knowledge, but an understanding of your perfect will for each one of us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now most of the time I'm going to be on the screen. I know that if the cameramen want to go back and forth, this is a very screen-intensive presentation. So I'm going to ask those who are in charge of the video to, I want me to be less on the screen because the screen is what you want to look at and what you want to get the information from. So I'm looking at the screen in the house right now. What I'd like you to do is switch that over to there you go. thank you very much. We're going to begin at Station 1. Now, the reason I refer to it as Station 1, I consider this a journey. And you are about to get on a train from which there is no exit until the ride is done. We're going to be traveling for five days together. And the key scripture for our presentation, I'd like you to read it with me. It's from Revelation chapter 16, verse 13 and 14. Let's read that together if you can see that. Are you ready? Here we go. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are the spirits of demons performing signs which go out to the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. As we sit here this morning, with the first presentation in the series of five is it did not come from God. Now, many of you are probably unaware of what's taking place on the iPhones, the Android devices, the laptops, the iPads, the Kindles, whatever kind of electronic device is being used today by your young people, you may not be aware of what's being fed into their minds through the media on a constant basis. But I've seen, not only as an individual that has done research, but at one time I was involved in this kind of industry myself. So having been there, having been a disc jockey, Having been involved in the nightlife of New York City and clubs and playing uh, music when I played guitar and seeing the impact on the world, we live in quite a different world than our young people. Can you say amen? And so our world today, as we think of the reality that we're coming toward the end, we must keep also in mind that there is a mission. Heaven has a mission. Consider the mission of heaven. The mission of heaven is carried on by what I might refer to as the true Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But there is another mission that is taking place in our world because we are in a constant battle between light and darkness, truth and error, Satan and Christ. We are all involved in the great, the great, the great controversy. And as we get closer to the end, we know that the controversy is going to intensify because the devil knows that he has but a short time. So the Bible talks about the mission of Satan. Also consider the hierarchy of worship. There was a claim that Lucifer made that is being fulfilled in startling detail in our world today. We find these words in the book of Isaiah chapter 14, verse 14. He said these words as he began his mission. At the outset of the great controversy, Satan made this statement. He said, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. Together, I will be like the Most High. Let's look at the false godhead, the false godhead. There's the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But there's a false godhead. You find at the top the dragon, then the bottom left the beast, and the bottom right the false prophets. Now, most of our theology focuses on the beast, the mark of the beast, the four beasts of Daniel, the beast of Revelation. And then we also talk about apostate Protestantism. We talk about the false prophets. Many false prophets and false Christs will arise. But I noticed a number of years ago, which also led me to dive into this topic, is we talked very little about spiritualism. And spiritualism is an arm that is diluting worship in a way that will startle you unless you paused and saw the impact on Christianity around our world. But it's not only affecting Christianity, it's affecting society. It's affecting society at the deepest level. And what I'm going to talk about today is not just an attack on the church, but it is attacks on every system in our world that supports morality to some degree. And it comes with a global warning. Here's the global warning from the book of Revelation, chapter 12 and verse 12. The Bible says, Woe to thee, inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you having, together, great wrath because he knows that he has a what? Short time. When I graduated from high school, I won't tell you what year that was. I'm still young. Can I get an amen? Amen. When I graduated from high school, and there's some of you that go back beyond the late 70s, maybe some of you graduated in the 60s and the 50s and the 40s and the 30s. I, I take my hat off to you if somebody graduated from high school in the 20s and you're here this morning. But whenever you graduated, you can see there is a progression in our world. The closer we get to the end, the darker and the more... I want, to, I want to find the right word. The darker and the more uh, satanic our world is becoming in every area, in entertainment. There were times when I was growing up that there was no need to put a disclaimer on a television program before it began. Those of you that remember the, the, the Honeymooners or Ozzie and Harriet, I'm going way back, way before my time. But you might remember very well that in those days you could feel fairly safe to put your children in front of a television and walk away and come back in maybe an hour or two or three or four, however long they watched. And you may feel self-assured that their minds were not polluted. Well, those days are no longer here. The world has changed tremendously. Satan has taken over Every facet of communication. Here's what Ellen White says about that. And my brother, bring me up just a little bit because I can't really hear myself up here. I don't want to talk too hard. But listen to what Ellen White says in the book, Darkness Before Dawn, page 23. Very powerful quotation. She says, Satan has long been preparing for his final effort to deceive the world. Do you believe that we're living in the days of his final effort? Of course we are. But notice what she says. Little by little, he has prepared the way for his masterpiece of deception in the development of spiritualism. He has not yet reached the full accomplishment of his design. That's when when Ellen White wrote this. But, she says, it will be reached in the last remnant of time. I believe with conviction we're living in the last remnant of time. And so based on what she says, he is light years ahead of us in accomplishing, as she says, the development of spiritualism, the full accomplishment of his design. If you had 6,000 years to live, can you imagine what kind of rock music the, the, um, the Rolling Stones could produce if they were around for 6,000 years? Can you imagine how dark and how demonic entertainment can be if movie producers live for 300, 400, 500, 600 years? Can you imagine how scary movies would be if people that produce demonic movies had 300 or 400 years to develop their art and make it darker and darker and darker? Well, that's the kind of world we're living in because even though people may not live that long, Satan has been around. Since the very beginning of the great controversy, that's why the Apostle Peter tells us these words in 1 Peter 5 and verse 8. Be sober. Say that with me. What else? Be sober. That means be awake. Much of what happens in our world today happens because we're not awake. Be sober. Be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. I've learned something about the way that lions work. When a lion roars, you hear the roaring in this direction, but you run in the opposite direction. And I learned that the one that often roars, the lion that roars, is often the male lion. When you run in the opposite direction, away from the male lion, the female lion is wait, waiting to collect groceries. So while you're running from the sound, there's a lion on the other end, a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Satan has surrounded us. And in this presentation, you'll also discover that we are confronted by two forces, light and darkness, good and evil, very much alive in our world today. But Satan has an approach that he has developed since the very beginning of time. Since the Garden of Eden, he has developed an approach that is far more advanced and far more refined as we live in the time of the end. I'm laying foundation with Scripture because I believe it's important that when we lay foundation on God's Word, we have a sure foundation. Can you say amen to that? Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, consider the Garden of Eden. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. If he was subtle in the very beginning, imagine how subtle he is today. Knowing he has but a short time, if he was subtle, he's far more subtle in the last days. What you'll also discover in this presentation is that we are the pawns in the battle for the mind. Listen to the words of the Apostle Paul in the book of Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12. He says, For we wrestle not against what? Flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in what? In high places. Let me pause and say something here that I want to I be very clear. I, I'm going to try my best not to cut corners. What we're facing today is not just in the music industry. It's in politics. It's in the courts. It's in religion. And there are things that I just discovered again this week that, when it says principalities and powers, it means the local principalities. It means principalities that run the government in either your local community or your state. And the organization I'm going to talk about today is all over the world. So what's happening around us is not something that's coincidental, and it's not just entertainment. It's not just music. It's not just a song. It's being put together with clever distinction, like a person putting a pattern together. To, 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 to design a suit it's even more exact than that. It's on every level because Satan is intellectual. He doesn't begin. And a lot of times we hear the music and we say, well, that's trash. That's gutter music. It may be gutter music to you, but it's designed to reach people at every level. I got, a, I got an email just recently from somebody, and uh, they mentioned, they said to me, and I'm kind of kind of jumping ahead of the curve here, but just to make a point, And they they mentioned a particular genre of music, and they said to me, is it okay to listen to this kind of music? And I'll reveal that later on. And And my response was, when your heart is converted, you won't really ask the question, is it okay to listen to that kind of music or this kind of music? The Spirit of God will convict you. Can you say amen to that? So when you say, well, is it okay to listen to this or that, it's indicating that there's somehow You want to kind of get as close as you can to the edge without going over and still feel that you're on a safe platform, a safe foundation. But we cannot be that way today. Now, seeing that Satan has principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in high places, the question is, how will Satan communicate his message to the world? Now, my wife and I, although I'm a pastor in the Illinois Conference, my wife and I, uh, are, are part of a ministry, through Angels Broadcasting Network, that has found an effective way of communicating God's message to the world through satellite, through Internet, through television, through radio, through printed material, through apps on your phone. The very same methods we use, Satan uses. The very same mediums that can be used for good can also be used for evil. So I'm not going to villainize devices I'm not going to villainize instruments because the very things that we use for good, Satan can can also use for evil. The question is, how will he communicate his message? The answer is, he will find a messenger. So now come with me to the messenger that Satan has used. He is called the modern prophet of the occult world. A man by the name of Alistair Crowley or Alistair Crowley, the modern prophet of the occult movement. Occult means hidden or eclipsed. In other words, unless your mind is conditioned to understand what's around you. Let me give you an example. If you were in a religious uh, setting or you were surrounded by people from different denominations and somebody mentioned the phrase, uh, the judgment hour message, how many people will understand that term in that, in that congregation? How many, will pe- how many will understand that? How many? How many? People that are Adventists will understand the judgment hour message. But if you are not a part of a particular denomination, you wouldn't understand the terminology. This world is written, this world is developed on a system that's hidden until your eyes are trained to see it. When I was doing the series, Unclean Spirits, my sister-in-law lived in Orlando, Florida. She still lives there today. But she said, until some of the things that were revealed in the series were talked about, and she saw it for herself. She had her granddaughter sitting in front of a television, watching things on television that she did not understand the implications of until she watched the series Unclean Spirits. And then she saw it very, very clearly. In other words, let me use an example that we could understand. When you're Adventist and you use terms to people of the other denominations that are not Adventist terms, they have no idea what you're talking about. But when they become Adventist, all of a sudden their eyes are open. In the very same way, you're going to see when this series is done over the next five days, you're going to be able to see in a way that you have not been able to see before. Some of you, when you were young, have you ever played the game red car, blue car, white car? Does anybody know what that is? When you sit in the backseat of a car and you're not driving and there are two children, they say, let's look for all the red cars. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And all of a sudden, while the dad or mom is driving, you'll be amazed how many red cars there really are. But the reason why you didn't notice them before is you, you, you did not say, let's look for the red cars. But the moment you said, let's look for the red cars, all of a sudden there are red cars everywhere. Or there are yellow cars everywhere. Alistair Crowley was a man that chose to be a modern prophet of spiritualism. Let's give you a little bit about him. Alistair Crowley was born as Edward Alexander Crowley, 1875 to 1947. He was born as a son to a Christian family. His father was a Plymouth Brethren preacher. He traveled not as a full-time pastor, but he traveled and spoke from location to location. And Alistair was the young boy in the family circle every day And when his father would read certain portions of the scripture, Alistair, according to the historians and according to those who followed his life story, Alistair was that young boy that when there was a story read in the Bible, he would tend to take the side of the bad guy. For example, if the story was about Cain and Abel, he would take the side of Cain. If the story was about murder or violence, he would take the approach towards murder or violence. And then as he grew, he became involved in something called Western esotericism. Say that with me esotericism. (laughs) It's not a common word, but what is that? He was also a young man who had become so evil, his mother, and I say this again, his mother named him the beast. His mother. He became so dark and so evil. When his father passed away, Alistair began to study things like black magic, white magic. He began to study things that began to lead him farther and farther away from God. And to this very day, those who are in the occult industry, you see a book titled there, The Illustrated Beast, and also Alistair Crowley to the right. You'll see that he's known today. And France listed Alistair Crowley as one of the most evil men that ever existed. Now, the question is, what is esotericism? What is that? Let's go ahead and see what that is. Esotericism is a message intended for or likely to be understood by only a small number of people with specialized knowledge or interest. In other words, unless you are a part of this particular industry, follow me carefully, unless you are a part of this, let me make it very clear You may not understand the lyrics that are in the songs that your children are listening to, or you may not understand the symbols on the back of the album covers, or you may not understand the way they dress the way they do, why they use particular colors, why they dress in all black, why they use symbols on their clothing. But it's a message and a language that they learn so that when their friends see it or when they hear it in society, they connect one with the other. And so in this esoteric world, it's a language that's localized only among a small group of individuals. And they learn the language, and they communicate it one to the other. Esoteric also means that you use terms that are only understood by people in your circle. Like if we use Millerite, or atonement, or justification, or premillennialism, or sanctuary message, or veggie meat, as as though there is such a thing. But if we say that, only people that are Adventists understand what that means. Veggie me. These are esoteric terms. So the word esoteric doesn't mean bad. It just simply means a language and a communication style that only people within that particular circle really understand. Let's find out more about Alistair Crowley. Alistair Crowley was known as an occultist, a mystic, a ceremonial magician. Let me explain that very carefully. He wasn't the kind of guy that made birds disappear or cards come out of hats or change colors of scarves. He was the kind of guy that practiced magic for dark reasons, to control the mind of those who were watching him, to control their lives. That's why it's called ceremonial magic. He was also a practicing bisexual. That's why in our society today, have you noticed, the closer we get to the end, have you noticed the booming The booming focus even in our media on bisexuality, it's not coincidental. It's intentional because the intent is to destroy everything based on morality. Going further, he was also known to be involved in illegal drugs, not heroin alone or cocaine, but he was a person that was involved in alchemy, a term that you may not have heard before, learning how to mix certain chemicals to control the minds of his victims. That's the kind of individual he was. And he was also a social critic. And when I say social critic, not a person that says, I don't like these particular things in society, but he was the kind of person that criticized everything having to do with morality. According to one of the records, Alistair Crowley's instructor was one day given a lecture on particular topics in the Bible. And Alistair in the classroom challenged him on these Bible topics because he didn't like anything having to do with religion, particularly having to do with Jesus or God. Here's a statement Alistair made. He says, I was not content to just believe in Satan. I wanted to be his chief of staff. Now, I want you to understand that just for a brief moment. This is the man who has written the books that the entertainment, the music, the video game industry, the the Hip-hop, rock, this is the man that wrote the Bible, as it were, that governs the mindset of those individuals involved in, in, in portraying movies and television shows. This is the man that they have received their information and their guidelines from, and I'll talk about that in just a moment. But can you imagine? Here's a quote, here's a quote just to give you an idea of how dark he was. Alistair Crowley said, One would go mad if one took the Bible seriously, but to take it seriously, one must already be mad. That's the attitude he had toward the Bible. This is the individual that influences the artist that your children are listening to. He also said, the key of joy is disobedience. That was his attitude. So when your children... When you can't get your children to smile, have you seen the attitude in some in society today? They believe that the more serious and the more stoic you could look, the more cool you are. It's like that hard exterior. It's like smiling is some kind of a sin. It's the mindset. It's the proponent. It's the communication. It's the teaching style. If you can communicate this hard, dark exterior, somehow you're cool and accepted in society and stronger and more accepted into the circles of those who, are, who you're running with today. That's the kind of mindset. Listen to the commentary. Those who did a study on, on Alistair Crowley's life. Now, there's a long reference, but listen to the content of the reference. Most of Crowley's adult life was dedicated to indulging in everything he believed God would hate. Performing sex magic, taking heroin, opium, hashish, peyote and cro- cocaine, Invoking spirits, and even once, offered himself to the Russian authorities to help destroy Christianity. And I'm glad you're listening. That's the kind of individual who is shaping organizations in every state and in every city. I thought that Thompsonville. Now my wife and I, we live in you know West Frankfort, Thompsonville, where three ABN is. I thought that Thompsonville was an exception to the rule until I was driving into town, and the very symbol that's associated with their organization, I saw it on the billboard that kind of welcomed you to our town. And I thought, even here, even in the state of Illinois? And I was in Australia not too long ago. I thought, well, Australia's a long way away. Surely they would not be affected by the influence of Alistair Crowley very much. They have strong organizations in Sydney, Brisbane, Melbourne, Perth, they're all over Australia. I was in South Africa. I was in Nairobi, Kenya. And I was shocked to see even in Nairobi, Kenya, the occult world has established itself there. And I'll talk about that organization, and I'll share with you. And, they, and I found out since I've been here, there's one in Michigan. There are several in Michigan. They're everywhere. Why? Because they want to challenge morality and Christianity in every community and at every level. And they are involved, in the police... They're involved in the local law enforcement. They're involved in judges. They're involved in people in high places, not just entertainment, not just television, not just music. Let's go on. How did Alistair get to the place where he was? In 1904, he had an Egyptian encounter. Alistair Crowley, when he got married, he and his wife went to Egypt, to Cairo, Egypt. Now, why Cairo, Egypt? If you study in the Bible, you find that Cairo, Egypt, its history is very occult-based, very satanic-based. It's pointed out in the Bible. The people of God, where did he free them from? Where? Showing you that the influences that shape the mindset of the children of God were their bondage in Egypt. Now, in a spiritual sense, today... The very thing that affected the people of God in the Old Testament is revived today to affect the people of God in the last days. That's where Alistair Crowley learned many of the things that he uses today. Now, I'm just laying foundation, but in just a moment, we're going to break it open, but I have to lay the foundation. In 1904, when Alistair Crowley got married, he and his wife went to Cairo, Egypt. And while they were there, his wife kept saying to him, and by this time, he was deeply involved in masonry, He was a mason. He was involved in black magic, white magic. He was studying deeply the occult. And they had a two-room hotel room. And his wife would say, on on a few occasions while they were there for a little more than two weeks, she would say to him, Alistair, they're trying to contact you. And he would say, who? She'd say, they are. And he would say, who? And she would mention, who? And he said, well, would you show me? So they went to the local museum in Cairo, and she could not communicate as well as he did, but she said, they told me what to look for in the Cairo Museum to let you know who's trying to communicate with you. So she led him to the Cairo Museum right to an artifact, right to a statue that identified the very God that was trying to communicate with Alistair through spirits. Listen to his testimony. Here it is. It was on the 8th of April, 1904, that Crowley first heard a voice talking to him. Iwas claimed to be a messenger from the god Hor-par-Krat, meaning Horus, the child of Isis and Osiris. These are Egyptian gods. Crowley wrote down everything the voice told him over the course of the next three days and subsequently titled it, Libra al This is what he gave the title to. And here you have a picture of the book. This is the Libra al Veligis or the Book of the Law. This is the Bible of the occult world. Now, let me say something. Don't go buy one. Don't buy it. Don't let curiosity kill your cat. In my research... I was able to gain access to a copy of it. And at the very beginning of it, and please, you know, when we say don't, what happens to human nature? <laughs> we say don't, and they tend to want to do that. In the very beginning, when I looked at that, in the very beginning of this of this book called Libra Al in Latin, the book of the law, was the phrase, do not read the content. Because contained within are forces that are beyond your control. Now, in the, sa- in the very same way, and I want you to see how it parallels Christianity, because when we read the Bible, who do we pray? Who, what do we pray when we open the Word of God? We say, Lord, send your, Holy, send your Holy Spirit to open my mind, to quicken my understanding, to communicate to me clearly what is in there. Lord, make it clear to me, send your Holy Spirit that I might understand what's in your holy word. In the very same way, the occult world has taken Christian principles and twisted them to the opposite. So they don't pray for the Holy Spirit. They say, send your evil spirit to open my eyes and to help me understand what's communicated in this. So what I did, I didn't read it. Can I get an amen? Amen. But I learned just enough out of, the, out of those who wrote about Alistair Crowley. I didn't want to expose myself, praise the Lord. I did not want to expose myself in curiosity. I didn't want to be like Eve going to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil just for the purpose of communicating to you. You don't have to go into darkness to know that it's darkness. But what you learn, you got to communicate it. Let me go further. This book was dedicated in Cairo between noon and 1 p.m. In other words, three hours every day is when Alistair Crowley wrote down what he heard. He didn't write any of He said he simply transcribed what this spirit told him. And he said this spirit, that he didn't see his form, communicated over his left shoulder. Why left? Because left is the side of the goat. Right is the side of the sheep. This book was dedicated in Cairo between noon and 1 p.m. on three successive days, April 8, 9, 10, in the year 1904. The author called himself Iwas and claimed to be the minister of Hor Parcret, that is, a messenger from the forces ruling the earth at present. Do you believe that there are forces ruling the earth that are dark? I mean, just look around you. We live in Thompsonville, Illinois, but I'm from New York. Every time we go back to New York, and if you're from New York, don't feel bad, but every time we go back to New York, my wife and I say we can only be here for X amount of days. We want to go back to where it's quiet, to where the noise we hear are the birds in the backyard and the raccoons. Amen, somebody. I mean, not the gunshots and not people breaking into your homes. But when you go into the cities, you immediately begin to feel the forces of evil influence around you. It's hard to walk down the streets in a major city without hearing music that you don't want to hear. Am I telling the truth? Or when you go to the malls, or when you go into a restaurant, you sit down and get this. They're piping music in your mind that you don't want to listen to, but you don't have a choice. You go to the clothing stores. You go to the shoe store. You go to McDonald's. I went to my... Physical therapist, I, I, I had a little accident here and, and broke my knuckle. I went to my physical therapist a couple of days ago. She tried to break my finger all over again. They called it therapy. Uh, she said now, and they, they have a sign on the wall. It's, it's H-O-P-E, hope, but it's an acronym. She said, hold on, pain ends. And she's bending my finger to the, and I'm chewing my fingernails and grabbing the wall. But uh, where am I going with that? Okay, here's where I'm going with that. Where am I going with that? Oh, yeah. So, so while she's giving me therapy, they're playing this heavy metal rock music in the background. And I said, to her, you know, I said, honestly, that is not the kind of music that a person that's getting therapy needs to listen to. Amen? And I'm thinking, I said, I want to relax. I'm more tense after I got here than I am now. You know what she did? She said, I'll change it for you. So she changed it to the Beatles instead. Like there was a major difference. And I thought to myself, man, and so I said to one of the people that were being trained, that's not the kind of music you want to listen to when you're getting therapy. You want your mind to be clear. You want your body to relax. But it was just so hard. And she said, would you like me to turn it off for you? I said, well, no, it's it's up to you. So she said, at least change the channel. It's everywhere. That's the point I'm trying to make. The influence is everywhere. Kids are walking through the mall. And I've seen this happen. They could be walking perfectly fine, and they pass a a music store that's playing their music, and all of a sudden they go, hey, hey. You know what I'm talking about? Have you seen that before? They instantly go into this mode. They react to it. Why? Because the seeds have been planted there and they have been programmed to react to the very thing that has been conditioning them. Let me go on. Who is Hor-Parkrat? Horpartcret, not a word we use every day. The name of the Egyptian god is the same as Hippocrates, the name, the Greek God, both meaning the infant child Horus. Alistair Crowley wrote that hor krat represents, get this, the higher self, the holy guardian angel. Let me go on further. What does that mean? He is in essence saying this is the God that will help you be elevated to a higher self. Now, pause and think about that for a brief moment. When Satan suggested that Eve disobey God, did he not suggest to her that in disobeying, you'll be elevated to a higher level? He said, you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Failing to realize that in obedience is the only way that we can be elevated, that is, the only way that we can be in a God-like relationship is to be obedient. But he suggested that by seeking a higher level than God intended for you to have is where you have a higher self, a holy guardian angel. And you'll find out more about that in a moment. Let me go further. Now, what's the purpose of this? Here's the reference. Accomplishing the will. It should never be forgotten for a single moment that the central and essential work of the magician is the attainment of the knowledge and conversation of the holy guardian angel. I'll explain this in just a moment. Once he has achieved this, he must, of course, be left entirely in the hand of that angel who can be invariably and inevitably relied upon to lead him to the further greater step, crossing the abyss and the attainment of the grade of master of the temple. Now, since this is completely foreign to you, let me break it down. When you come to Jesus, is it the aim of heaven to make you better than you were when you came to Christ? Yes or no? That's, and who helps you do that? The Holy Spirit, the Word of God. The more you study God's Word, the stronger you become in your attainment of being, living in the image of Christ. In the very same way, in the occult world, the more you study that which is dark the more able and qualified you become to be what they call the master of the temple. And this means when you, when you, and I said this to somebody the other day, I said to them, until you cross over into the kingdom of light, there are certain things you'll never understand. Am I right? Didn't Jesus say that to Nicodemus? Unless a man is born again, he cannot see. He cannot enter. So when you're born again, they even use these terms in the occult world, when you're born again spiritually, there are things you understand then that you could not understand prior to that. Am I right? In the very same way, because the occult world is simply Christianity in reverse. Light is darkness in reverse. Darkness is light in reverse. It's simply that simple. But in the occult world, they take everything that's based first on God and they twist it to accomplish an opposite purpose. So what they do is you pray this, this guardian angel, because each of us has an angel. I think my angel is going to have gray hair when I get to heaven. But we all have angels. Am I right? Do you believe that? Didn't the Bible say the angel of the Lord encampeth around about those who fear him and do what? So we have angels. Ellen White says in this world we have an angel on our right and an angel on our left. Thank God for two angels. But in, a, but in the occult world there are evil angels. And their purpose is to guide you to the accomplishment of a darker purpose. So let me boil it back down. When you expose yourself to the principles, to the music, to the lifestyle, to the entertainment, it awakens in you a desire to go deeper and darker. And let me even go another step. It awakens within you a thirst for something that is louder, more driving. And if you'll discover today one of the transitions that we're going through in our church is our music is changing. Have you noticed that? Now, do you think that's coincidental? No. When the line of demarcation between those who are nominal Christians who don't understand what we do and those of us who have a truth that God has committed to us, when the line of demarcation disappears and you listen to and you follow the predica- predominantly the same artists and same things, you begin to merge in a lot of areas. And all of a sudden, that which begins to become less significant is the truth, and what becomes more significant is just entertainment and lifestyle and feeling. And that's the direction that is often taken when a person crosses over and minimize the thing that should be maximized and maximize the thing that should be minimized. Now we talked about how that happens. But now let's here's the question. Here's the question. The abyss. What is the abyss? The abyss is the place where evil spirits abides, abide. In other words, it's that evil curtain that God maintains a separation between us and the prince of darkness, and I say amen to that. Now let me tell you why. If if Satan had his complete if Satan had complete control, he would destroy us. In an instant, but praise the Lord when you step into a relationship with Jesus, He surrounds us with holy protection. But when those who walk away from Christ step away, they're surrounded by a different spirit altogether. And the question will be: If if the desire of Christ is to accomplish a heavenly will, the desire the desire of Satan is to accompli- accomplish an earthly will. If the desire of heaven is to be more like Jesus, the desire of Satan is to be more like him. But now the question is, he has a prophet. The other question is, how will Satan's messengers spread the message? Here's the answer. Now look at this text. Let's read this together Matthew 28, verse 19. Together, here we go. Go therefore and what? Make disciples of how many nations? All nations. Now that's that's the the claim, that's the proclamation of Jesus. Is it am I right? The occult world has taken that and fashioned their own disciples to reach the world with their message. So while you're sitting here in the mall, on television, on somebody's iPad, somebody's Apple device, somebody's Android device. Somebody's music, somebody's entertainment. The gospel of darkness is going forward, competing against the darkness of light. I mean, the gospel of light. Here are the disciples that many of your young people are familiar with. These I call the disciples of darkness. Just a handful. But these, what what I might refer to as those who are in this upper echelon. Names that your grandchildren or some of your children or some of you may have heard before. People like Beyonce and Jay-Z and Lady Gaga. Kanye West, Adele, Taylor Swift, Nicki Minaj, your young people will look at these artists and say, now, what's wrong with them? Well, I got good news and I have bad news. What's the bad news? Satan uses them as his disciples to communicate his message. Years ago, I heard the story. Have any of you ever heard the story of the Pied Piper of Hamelin? It's an old story, since most of you didn't raise your hand. Every time I do a survey, I don't really get much of a a response, but I always ask anyway. But in the story of the Pied Piper of Hamlin, and this is Hamlin, Germany, Hamlin, Germany had been overrun with rats. And one of the locals suggested, they said, well, we need need to find a way to get rid of all these rats in Hamlin, Germany. And so one day, someone noticed a Pied Piper who played a flute so beautifully, they noticed as he walked through the streets of Hamelin playing his fu- flute that they noticed that rats were following him. They, they liked the tunes. And they inquired of him. And they said, is it possible that we can hire you and pay you to get rid of all the rats in the city of Hamlin?" And so he agreed to the contract. So the Pied Piper of Hamlin would go to various aspects of the community and he would play and then to get rid of them he'd pipe pipe all the way down to the waterfront and then he would get into his boat and because the rats enjoyed the sound of the flute they would jump off of the off of the the pier trying to get into his boat and what happened they all drowned he rid the entire town of hamlin of all the rats but then the time came for them to pay the Pied Piper, and they didn't pay him. And he used his pipe to play music to lead all the children of Hamlin away from their families. Satan has become the Pied Piper of Hamlin, And the very thing that God gifted him with in the very beginning, because remember now, don't forget it, Satan was a master musician. He used music. If he used music when he was a glorified angel, do you think he would not use music after he fell? That's exactly what he's using today. Not only that, Satan was a beautified angel. Every precious stone was his covering. If he was a glorified angel and he was beautiful, but he was corrupted by his beauty when he apostatized, he's using that very same method today to lead people away from serving and following Christ. Now, the question you might ask yourself is, what would make people want to follow something so dark? Here is what I refer to as the seductive promise. And we're laying foundation today. Tomorrow we're going to go to the next level. Here is the seductive promise. Matthew 4, verse 8 and 9. And by the way, this is a quotation from the conversation that Satan had with Jesus. Here's what the Bible says. Speaking to the devil, again, the devil took him up. That is, he took up Christ on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him how many of the kingdoms? All the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And here's what the devil said to Christ. And he said to him, all these things I will give you, and look at the, look at the condition, if you'll do what? Fall down and worship me. Let me make a point very, that I'll reiterate from day to day. It's all about worship. Say that with me. It's all about worship. Everybody is involved in one form or the other of worship. It's not about entertainment. We say it's entertainment on the same way we say it's about church. It's about worship. It's not about music. It's about worship. It's not about offering. It's about worship. When we worship God, it affects everything in our lives. Thank you for the amen. When we are worshiping God, every aspect of our relationship is affected. When we worship Satan, every aspect. Let me rephrase that because we don't worship Satan. Can I get an amen? When they worship Satan, every aspect of their lives are affected. And in this industry I'm talking about, which I'll uncover in a powerful way, this industry is very much affected by those who have made up their minds to worship the prince of darkness. And by the way, it would be nice if they left us alone, but it's not Satan's job to leave the church alone. But I like, the, I like what the Bible says. Jesus said this, and this is why the church need to have confidence in Christ. Upon this rock I build my church and the gates of hell, what? shall not prevail against it. Amen, somebody. So there's nothing that the devil can do to stop the progress of the church, but he has said to those who are looking for fame and fortune and wealth and identity in the world, he said, I'll give you all of this if you fall down and worship me. The price for fame and fortune and notoriety is worship of the wrong God. So he shows them the kingdom of the world. He, he shows them. And this is a picture of Las Vegas. You know, Mark Anthony was from Las Vegas, so I just gave a picture of Las Vegas. He was just before me. Now, Las Vegas is not the only city. It's in Los Angeles. It's in New York. It's in Detroit. It's in Florida. It's in France. It's all over the world. It's in Edmond, Illinois. Michigan. I'm in the wrong state. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. Now, I want you to hear something because I have a few testimonies here, and if you cannot hear it, I'll play it again. But here's the point many exchange their souls for a temporary kingdom. The Bible says in Matthew 16, 26, For what profit is it to a man if he gains how much? The whole world and loses his own soul. Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Now, what you're going to hear next is a testimony of someone who began as a Christian, but then transitioned into a different world altogether. Have you heard of Katy Perry? Katy Perry is the daughter of a pastor. That's how her life began. When she was a young girl... She sang Christian music. She wanted to become the Amy Grant of modern music, but it did not work out. So she, in her interview about her fame, she says, it did not work out. I wanted to become the Amy Grant of of Christian music, but since it did not work out, I sold my soul to the devil. That's her own testimony. Here it is. And I included lyrics. I included the, the dialogue on the video so that you can hear it. Okay, that went pretty fast. Let's go back. Wow, that was pretty. Okay, I'll do, it. I'll do it tomorrow. Whatever happened to that. Okay. Well, we are tomorrow, amen? I'll give it to you tomorrow. Because it was working perfectly fine just a minute ago. But you'll hear it tomorrow. If you come back, you'll hear the other portion of it. She made it clear, and thank the Lord I, I, I told you a little portion of it. Let me just look at this. Let me just check this for one single moment. Is that okay? When I was 15. Okay, great. There it is. Okay, let's just go and do that. Is that it there? Okay. It's amazing how this thing works. But Let's just go ahead and try it right here, and I'm going to just go ahead and click it. Let's see. Okay, well, we'll do it tomorrow. He doesn't want us. But here's the point. And I'll make this clear. I'll make sure that it works tomorrow. Is that all right? It was working perfectly fine when I tested it before you came in here. But let me make a point. When I did this series for the first time in 2008, I would be sitting at my computer typing. And I would tell my wife, I said, come and look at that. And what I type will completely change. It was not what I put on the paper. And the battle was intense. But the battle to communicate this information, God, God used it to deliver so many young people from this dark world. Amen, somebody? There was a 17-year-old young man. I have about four minutes here. There's a 17-year-old young man I, don't, I did not forget that called my office. I was at the church there at, in Thompsonville, and he called my office, and he said, Can I, can I speak to Pastor John Kang? I had two videos, by the way, that worked perfectly fine before this began and just refused to work. That's not unusual. We'll try it again and make sure you get it tomorrow because you have to see it. The testimony of two individuals, particularly, that went into that world that began in one direction and went in another one altogether. But that's the battle that happens. So he said to me, as this young man, he said, he said, when you did your series, Unclean Spirits, and by the way, I only brought a few of them with me. This is the first series I did, five hours. This is the one he was talking about. He said, when you did your series, Unclean Spirits, my friends that were 15 and 16 called me and they invited me to come over to watch the series. He said, when they called me, I was involved in the goth world. That's when they dress all in black. Have you seen the kids? Black hair, black nails, black everything. And he said, and I didn't want to hear anything about Jesus. He said, I was raised as an Adventist, but I left the church. I was in the world, rock music. My room was painted black. I was just so far away from God. But my friends insisted that I watch it. And this is the guy on the phone. He said, sir, I want to tell you, by watching this series, the Lord delivered me from that world. And he said, and now, I'm listening to the, he said, now when I study my Bible, I can almost hear the Lord talking to me. Amen. So this is not just information. We have just about 50 of those. So, And so people have taken these and have shared them with their family, with their youth groups. We have some people that said, I don't know where that series is because one family member took it. And when they were done, they gave it to another family member. And when they were done, they gave it to somebody else. It's amazing how God can use this information to lead somebody. And there was another series that we did in 2016. And we have them both. This is a three-hour series that they asked me to do another one. And this is what... Your conference president saw and listened to, and he said, I want to invite you to Michigan. I I applaud him because I'll be be very honest with you. I've tried to get him to some of our schools, and they were not having it. I got a call from a dean in one of our large schools. He said, our students are being inundated by this worldly music. I'm going to try to find a way to get you here and present it. I got uninvited. And so I, I, I take my hat off to your conference president. That he's so concerned about the direction of your churches. I would say get this and take it back and let, let your youth group see it. It's at the ABC. Unclean spirits and unclean spirits unplug. Let them see it. And God can reach their hearts in a powerful way. Let me end with these few quotations here. Transformed through power. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in where? Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. I'm going to make one more attempt to play a video. This is a testimony of Beyonce, how a spirit comes upon her when she enters into her concert settings. Let's see if this works. Hey, praise the Lord. Works. Many years ago, I named my alter ego Sasha, and it's something that stuck. So when I was trying to, to decide the title of my album, I realized it had two different sounds. One represented who I really am, and one sounded like my alter ego. So I decided to split it into two because I, I feel like Sasha is a big treat for my fans um, it's definitely exciting being able to have an excuse to be so over the top. <laughs> um, and, and I think um, you definitely hear the difference. I try to keep Sasha on the stage. I absolutely keep Sasha on the stage, and now she has a last name. She's Sasha Fierce. When I performed Crazy in Love at the BT Awards, it was almost like my coming out. Sasha is my alter ego. When they meet me and they speak with me, they're expecting Sasha. I'm really kind of shy, and not really shy, but more reserved and um, nothing like Sasha. She can do things that I cannot do when I'm in rehearsal. I mean, I can try, but then it just doesn't happen. I can sing notes and sing strong and do all these things that when I'm just by myself, I can't do. And I remember right before I performed, I raised my hands up, and it was kind of the first time I, I... Felt something else come into me, and I knew that was going to be my coming out night. You'll get part two tomorrow. Our time is over. Our time is all done. We are we are just laying foundation. Believe me, if there was any one of the presentations you should have missed, it was today. That's what the evangelist says. You cannot afford to miss tomorrow. If you want to get ahead of the curve, go to the ABC. You'll have all of this. Now, there's no way I'm going to cover this entire series in the five days that I have. But you'll have on here over 400 slides and detailed explanations that will lead your family and your children and your school and your youth groups at your church. Let's pray. Father in heaven. Thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit, who wants to do in our lives that which is impossible with our human frailty. We do pray, Lord, that you'll guide our hearts and minds, that you'll guide our leaders, our pastors, our teachers, our schools, that we might acknowledge the battle between light and darkness, and that we might make changes to prepare our minds and our hearts for eternity. Be with our parents. Be with our young people. May they fill their minds with the knowledge of your holy word of Jesus and rely upon your Holy Spirit to prepare us for eternity. Now go with us, Lord, and bless us in our time in this encampment, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio.